Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 133, The Emperor Has No Clothes. It's October 20th, 2023. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and so on. I also happen to be a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved, even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any capacity. My music is by Howie Moscovich. The Emperor Has No Clothes. Before I get into the meat of this podcast, I have a couple statements to make to bring you up to speed. If you missed my last podcast, I announced in that one that I had totaled a car on Labor Day, September 4th. I've been in the hospital for uh, three, three or so weeks, and, and since then I've been in a rehabilitation center, getting physical therapy, learning how to use crutches and healing. And I, I hope to be, <laughs> I hope to be out of here sooner than I probably will be. But that's my optimistic nature. So I'm letting you know that I, my microphone broke, my computer broke. We've got the computer taken care of, not the microphone. We're just rolling with life, and there may be some background noise here and there, even though I'm in a separate room. Thank you to the center for providing it for me. Nobody's using it anyway, but. So just so you know about that. The other thing about this particular podcast, I'm, good, I'm trying a little experiment uh, to get you to think. When you think new thoughts and you stretch your mind, that is an example of neuroplasticity or the, com the concept of neuroplasticity, which is very good for your brain, helps your brain in a lot of ways. And so instead of just kind of flat out saying, here's what we're talking about, I'm gonna be giving you clues, almost as if it's a little puzzle. You think, you think, see if you can figure it out. And eventually, after I've given you enough clues, I'm, giving, I'm going to actually give you a lot of clues as to what this, what I'm gonna talk about or what, what is the perfect thing that set, where we say the emperor has no clothes. So the last pieces before I dive in, please visit my website, I have a giveaway going on, going on. We're not pulling the prize winners for last month, this month, and until I'm out of rehab and can walk, which is probably another two months, and, and I'm settled. But we'll, I'll pull, have my IT guy pull all the winners with the, with the plug-in in January, February, whenever I'm ready, and I'll catch up on all of that. So definitely enter the giveaway, even though I'm not shipping things right now. The other things you need to know, if you are in the deaf and hard of hearing community, I do have po podcast transcripts that you can print out or read or look at on my hosting site, rss.com. They usually are available within 24 hours of a new podcast being uploaded. The next piece you need to understand is that nothing that I'm saying in this podcast or in any of my podcasts or any of my content is designed or intended to be medical or therapy advice. You should get all of your medical or therapy advice from a licensed healthcare provider. Lastly, but not least, this is last but not least, 
If you happen to be feeling suicidal or you are hopeless or, or life is simply too hard for you, I am asking you to stop and call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. I am asking you to tell people, I am asking you to talk about it because there is actually a lot of help available. So there you go. So what do I mean by the emperor has no clothes? You're either familiar with that story or not. but if you're not, I'm not going to retell the story. I'm going to give you what the story means. So the, the expression, the emperor has no clothes, is used to describe a situation in which people are afraid to criticize something or someone. So they're afraid to criticize something or someone because the masses, like the, the masses of people, perceive that thing or person to be good or to be important or to be somehow someone or something that should not be criticized. So it can also be used to describe a situation in which most people praise or seem to believe something that is false or has no value because they are afraid to go up against the general opinion. Where did this expression come from? Well, this is very interesting to me, and I want you to understand where did this come from. Most people on the surface think that it originated with the Danish author Hans Christian Andersen that you may be familiar with from his 1837 um, fairy tales told for children. However, if you trace it back, the idea of the emperor having no clothes traces back to a Spanish, Spaniard author in 1335, Juan Manuel, and then it goes back, who he traces back to Arabic folk tales, and then it really ultimately gets traced back to a mid-6th century BC slave, Greek slave, known as Aesop. You've heard of Aesop's fables, probably, or maybe. So this is something that goes back then thousands of years. And these fables, Aesop's fables, were told to teach a lesson or a moral. So here's the first question to get your brain in, engaged. Engaged, engaged, engaged. Because we want you to have young brains. We don't want you to be forgetting things and um, not having a young brain. So what, what, here's the first question. What are we un, afraid of or unwilling to criticize? So I'm asking you to listen as I go through some statistics and some behaviors and see if you can and pull it together. So what causes more harm and damage than almost anything else in the world to human lives, causing great suffering, great pain, and often we do not realize it or understand it? What lurks behind the doors of upwards to 70 to 96% of American families? What happens to up to 80% of American children? What impacts 70% of adults in the U.S.? That's 223.4 million people in the U.S. What affects approximately 70% of the world's population? Uh, and that's according to the research. And, you know, do, do you have an idea? And I'm going to give you some behaviors that can lead you to the 
to the topic. So the, I mean, I've got a long list of behaviors that are clues. Addictions, including drugs, alcohol, gaming, hoarding, overeating, compulsive shopping, playing favorites, abusing your child, withholding love and affection, being a perfectionist, being overly critical, being irresponsible as a parent, being cruel or mean, undermining your child, not providing the basics to your child, including food, shelter, education, and a safe environment, being an irrational parent, irrational thinking, being arrogant, righteous, know-it-all, not having boundaries, being unfair or having unfair or unreasonable expectations of your child, whether that's a young child or an adult child, making one of your children or more than one of your children be this family scapegoat, trying to live out your dreams through the life of your child or children, being egocentric, having a parent that is a narcissist, psychopath, sociopath, bipolar or other mental health illness, playing the victim or the martyr as an adult, raising children, exploiting your child or children, going to prison, engaging in criminal, criminal activity, not taking care of yourself. How about that? Listen to me again. Not taking care of yourself. Not being functional. Using your emotions to control the family or your children or bully the family. Breaking up the family and not taking responsibility for it. Affairs, cheating, lying, stealing, invalidating your feelings, being evil to some capacity, abusing your spouse or partner in front of children. So, have you thought of what, what it is? Do you have an idea? I'm going to give you some physical manifestations of this as your last set of clues. So the, this is not all of the physical symptoms, but it's a smattering. So here are some of the physical symptoms that's related to this topic as your last set of clues. Anxiety, depression, mood swings, irritability, shame, sadness, feeling out of control, feeling sad, feeling fragile, feeling vulnerable, feeling detached, gastrointestinal distress, sleep disturbances or nightmares, worry, body aches, body pains, appetite and digestive change, changes, being tired all the time, extreme fatigue or exhaustion, autoimmune diseases, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, Ruminating or racing thoughts, difficulty making decisions, self-blame, memory problems, sleep and appetite disturbances, increased use of alcohol, drugs, and tobacco. Incre yeah, yep, yep, what else? Okay, so there's a lot more behaviors, physical manifestations, but do you have a guess? I've given you a lot of information, so what is your guess? All right, did you guess trauma? or adverse childhood experiences. And the adverse childhood experiences is abbreviated ACE for adverse childhood experiences. Was that your guess? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I might have to take a poll and see how many people would, would have guessed it. So here's the deal. <laughs> we have trauma as a source of physical sickness. All those physical symptoms I just read off, 
can be a direct response to trauma or an adverse childhood experience. We're not talking about that in the world though, right? We don't say, oh, my stomach hurts. I wonder if it's because my sibling was mean to me today or, oh, I can't sleep. I wonder if it's because I have trauma. We are not connecting the dots between physical symptoms, depression, anxiety, ruminating, brooding, negative thinking, all of these, there's just a host of symptoms. We're not connecting that with trauma or adverse experiences. However, in the research, we know from psychoneuroimmunology that your mind and your emotions and your physical body are completely connected. You cannot disconnect them. That bell has been rung. I do have a podcast on psychoneuroimmunology, which is also in the podcast with neuroplasticity. So you can go back and listen to that. I'm not gonna repeat that podcast. But we know your body, aches and pains, GI, sleep, depression, anxiety, could be, very well be, could be sourced by trauma or an adverse childhood experience, which by the way, includes cancer and many other very serious illnesses, including sepsis. So we're, this is where I say the emperor has no clothes because the behaviors that I listed earlier before I got into the physical symptoms, those behaviors, those are very common, 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 common parenting behaviors in the world, which we have normalized. Like people say to me, well, it's normal when kids bicker and fight. I don't care if it's normal, it's not good for them and it's not healthy. And what we actually know from the research is up to 80% of American children are bullied or mistreated in their own home by a sibling. So for up to 80% of American children, they're not being loved like crazy at home. They're not getting love and affection at home. They're being bullied and mistreated by their own sibling for up to 80% of them. That's not, how is that healthy? That's terrible. But we make excuses, we slough it off. I'm not saying I do, because I do have a whole podcast entitled, Make Your Children Be Nice to Each Other, and I stand by that, and I hope you will listen to that if you have children. But we have normalized abnormal behavior. Oh, you know, my, my, my parents are hoarders, so what? Like, we, we've normalized domestic abuse, gambling, addictions, all, all kinds of very bad behaviors, playing the favorite. I mean, I, I have met parents who have no shame that they play favorites, and they'll tell you which, which child is their favorite. That does damage to the favorite child as well. It's not just the, the children who are not the favorite who have a loss and feel hurt and can be wounded and have a trauma. The golden child doesn't get away scot-free either. So we have taken all kinds of behaviors and we have made them okay. And they're not okay. So I'm here to say the emperor has no clothes and we need to stop pretending that certain things are okay. Because here's what I have to say about this trauma. Well, first of all, trauma is, there's lots of different ways to, to define trauma. I mean, there's childhood neglect, withholding love and affection. Withholding love and affection is a trauma. It's a trauma. You might not agree, you don't have to agree. Witnessing other children being mistreated or abused is a trauma. And then there's adult traumas, and there's natural disasters and accidents and wars 
and refugees and aging and illness and terminal illness and death. There's lots of different forms of trauma and degrees. But I want to just give you some clues about why the emperor has no clothes here when it comes to trauma. Have you heard of the term betrayal trauma? Have you heard of the term trauma bonding? Have you heard of the term betrayal blindness or institutional betrayal? These are different forms of trauma. And I want to pause and backtrack and give credit to Jennifer Freyd, F-R-E-Y-D, from the University of Oregon, who has put forth the betrayal trauma theory from uh, some time ago. And you can find information from her about her if you look up Jennifer Freyd, F-R-E-Y-D. She's written quite a bit about it. And it's very interesting because betrayal trauma is really the situation where a caregiver or someone who's entrusted with your well-being and your, you know, how you how you are betrays that in some way. You know, they don't they don't take care of you. They violate your trust or they violate your well-being. And, you know, childhood physical abuse, emotional abuse or sexual abuse done by a caregiver would be an example of betrayal trauma. But betrayal trauma, in my humble opinion, happens in marriages when one spouse betrays another or steals all the money. <laughs> but we have then this betrayal blindness. And that's very fascinating because sometimes children will have to kind of turn a blind eye just to survive their childhood. And this is very sad. But we're not bringing to the forefront of society all these issues of trauma. I, I'm condensing this because I do like my podcast to be reasonable in length. So, so the other piece about this um, is, is trauma bonding. Many, many. I would, I would be very fascinated to find out the percentage, and I suspect strongly we have no idea. But I would be interested in knowing the percentage of people in, in adult life who are trauma bonded with their abuser. So what happens in trauma bonding is you're being abused, child or adult, by an adult or, you know, and you become bonded. You make excuses. It's kind of like you, you have a blindness to what's happening, and you're making excuses and justifying their actions. And I, I suspect strongly with my knowledge of domestic abuse that at least for a long time in the beginning, uh, depending on how the domestic abuse goes, that trauma bonding is at play at some point in the beginning, and it, that's what has to get broken for people to leave domestic abuse. And sometimes that's what has to get broken for people to begin to get healthy or um, not be suicidal anymore. They might have to separate from their parents or their siblings or their family when there's this high level of betrayal and trauma. So the other piece, so I'm just touching lightly on betrayal trauma and betrayal blindness and institutional betrayal is just when a business organization or entity betrays an employee or customer or society and there's, you know, so it can be done by an institution. Now, the other piece we're not talking about, and this is what needs to be common law language. We need this, this needs to be known. People need to understand this, is generational trauma, which I just found out about 
all of this earlier this year. I'm, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> I'm finding things out every time I stick my head into PubMed Central, one of my favorite places to waste time um, well, for the time being. Anyway, so what we know, which is fascinating, is that there is generational trauma. Generational trauma is a trauma that's passed from one generation to the next. So in some families, the, the generational trauma is domestic abuse. Like that's my, my generational trauma, I'm third generation, that I know of domestic abuse. Could be further, but who knows? I know of, I'm third generation. Other families are passing on the trauma of alcoholism or suicide or drug addiction or poverty or, you know, some other kind of sexual abuse or what have you. Now what's fascinating about the generational trauma is two pieces. Number one, they're aware that the traumas are passed from one generation down to the next. They are not exactly clear how exactly is the trauma being passed. So that's, that's up in the air. That's not determined at this point. But the good news, because you're talking to the good news girl here, I'm, I'm always proverbial looking for the good news, the silver lining. Of course, especially doing that with when I'm sitting in a wheelchair recording a podcast as opposed to regular, is, is that there is generational triumphs that are also passed from one generation to the next. So it's not all, it doesn't all have to be negative. But you know, what's helpful about this, hold on is that sometimes when a young adult or whatever age adult finds out that the, the domestic abuse or the alcoholism or the, you know, suicide or what have you, whatever the trauma, whatever the family trauma, generational trauma is, then it can give them a little bit of freedom because clearly if you've been exposed to something that you're not really aware of and it's and there's a pattern and it's generational and it's been passed on to you, you don't really have control of that. But what happens when they find out, oh, I'm fourth generation domestic abuse, oh wow. You know, like it gives them some freedom to be able to take back their power, take back control, and then move into the generational triumph mode and triumph over whatever the generational trauma was. So that's the good news is you can move forward and be moving in from trauma to triumph. But you're not gonna do that if you don't know your third or fourth generation domestic abuse. Because many people, whether it's whatever the trauma is, suicide, drugs, addiction, sexual abuse, domestic abuse, what have you, people will often beat themselves up and, and really really go down a dark place because they'll get you know depressed and have anxiety and, and just suicidal thoughts and their self-esteem tanks. And they don't recognize it's just not all their fault and then find the pathway through. If you're listening to this podcast and you are new to trauma and you have never gone online to take an ACE test, that's the ACE test, that was the CDC Kaiser Permanente Adverse Childhood Experience Research, it was a research project, the test is a result of the research project, go online and take that test. I'm not gonna go through all the, the details of the ACE testing, but it is remarkable. Now it's not completely um, done in my opinion. I'm hoping in the next five to 10 years, they will upgrade it and give it an update and include racism and other things that are not currently in the ACE testing. I don't think, um, 
there's certainly several things that are not currently tested, but it's a tool. And, it, and if you have two or three ACE testing scores, you can see the corresponding research that shows, well, we know what percentage of them will get cancer, what percentage will get all these different diseases. So trauma and disease, we know, go hand in hand. And of course, I want to be healthy. Well, <laughs> I'm covering. I mean, I want to be mentally, emotionally healthy and physically healthy. So I'm working on that because I'm recovering from an accident. But we have too many people who are not, you know, living a great life. They're tired. They're depressed. They just can barely get through the day. And the trauma is one reason why it is that way for so many people. And they don't know that. How, did, how is it possible that I got to be as old as I am, and I'm old, <laughs> I may have only a few gray hairs because of the supplements I take, but I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm in my golden years, people. Uh, not that many wrinkles, thankfully, but I'm, I'm not, you know, I may feel young, but I'm not. You know, like, don't you want to have an amazing life? Well, people do want to have an amazing life, but they don't know how to do it. And how did I get to be so old to find out, oh, wait, you mean depression and anxiety could be directly caused by trauma, either in childhood or later life? Yes, depression or anxiety or sleeping problems or gastrointestinal problems, like could be a result, it could be a trauma response to trauma or an adverse childhood experience. Well, you know what? I think that's very valuable for people to know. Now, there are people who, I, who I've talked to who will say, oh no, my aches and pains have nothing to do with my emotions. Okay, guess what? You can think that all you want. Go ahead. You just go right ahead. But that doesn't mean it's true. It might mean you have a form of irrational thinking because the bell's been rung and cannot be unrung. We know that mental and emotional stresses impact the body. We just, you know, we know that certain outside things like conversations or events or whatnot outside of your body can cause inflammation inside the body. So get get hit, people. Don't be don't be languishing in, you know, untruths. Live in the truth. And like my podcast on neuroplasticity and psychoneuroimmunology will hopefully lay enough of the science out for you to make that clear. But we do have people who've had a lifetime of sickness that is really driven by trauma or an adverse childhood experience or multiple adverse childhood experiences and they get their life turned around when they realize, oh my heavens, yes, when did this start? Oh yes, when did that start? Oh my heavens. And they get to work on their emotions and they get to work on dealing with themselves and they have a different life. So one of the questions is, well, what is missing? So now, you know, what I'd love to see is that we have changes in the world because we have too many people committing suicide. We have too many people who are so tired they can barely get through the day. Well, don't get me started on addictions, whether it's the, out, well, we don't call it alcoholics anymore. It is called alcohol use disorder. So we now call it AUD, alcohol use disorder. But it doesn't matter whether you look at hoarding or drugs or alcohol or suicide, the numbers are climbing at, with no release. There's, they're, they're not coming down. Well, they're not coming down because people aren't getting the help that they need. So if your life is great and you're happy and you're doing well, 
then get on my team and share my content to help other people because more people are struggling than not. Sadly, they don't know how to be happy. So, um, and let's start changing things. I mean, like literally, I think you'd enjoy my podcast, Make Your Child Be Nice, Make Your Ch Children Be Nice to Each Other, um, because it's innovative. What's innovative is what I did with my first child before my second baby was even born. I went through a lot of steps to make sure my first child knew that he wasn't gonna be loved less, he wasn't gonna have anything less, he would have more, more love, more fun, more play, more everything. And, and I did that with the second, when my third child was born. And, and then I talk you through the steps of what it takes once they're five, seven, and nine, or, or, or teenagers, to have that continue. Let's stop normalizing bad behavior. So what's missing? Well, number one, there are a lot of things missing. Many, many, many things missing, sadly. And I'm not, I'm not happy about that. But one of the things that's missing is love and affection. And one of the big things that's missing in childhood that would go a long way to mediate or help mitigate childhood adverse experiences or trauma, childhood trauma, is love and affection. Even if it's not from the family, if it's outside the family, could be from neighbors or other family or school, what have you, love and, and we see that sometime with, you know, teenagers well they'll find their first love and that's really their first entree to love and affection and and away they go so love and affection you could bring love and affection into your life if you wanted to i mean you could you really could so that's number one i assert if we took 10 or 20 percent of the world's population who really took on yes i'm going to make platonic love and romantic love or one or the other or both whichever like a mainstay of my life and I'm going to bring it to work and I'm going to bring it wherever I go and I'm going to be loving and kind and I'm going to have love, I'm going to accept love and give it, the world would change dramatically. It would be dramatic. Just that amount of people, 20%, let's say 20%. The next thing that's really missing, hugely missing when I went through the list of behaviors is emotional skills. We are not raising the world, the world's population is not being raised with emotional processing skills. Sadly, we are not. We have few people who have high emotional intelligence and we are not instructing people on emotional regulation and in particular, how to manage and process your emotions. So I can't fix all the world's problems, but guess, but guess what? I can give a good old college try. So guess what? For you, for free, 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 on my website, I have a free emotional processing workbook. We are currently on version 5.0. So if you go to my website, www.lisaalundy.com, it's on the right-hand side of any page, of the homepage, right below the Newsweek logo. So you'll see the Newsweek logo on the right, which is simply because I do not work for Newsweek. I'm in one of the Newsweek's expert forum members, just to distinguish that if you missed that. So the free downloadable document is right below the Newsweek logo. Download it, it's like 20, it's 20 plus pages. And 
open your eyes. This, by the way, will be great for your brain because you'll be learning new things for sure. Look at the diagram. There's lots of front matter to get you grounded in the things that are important to manage and process your emotions and, and take it on like a challenge. First of all, you know, that's really, really, really good for your brain. Secondly, you will never regret it. You know, find me somewhere in the world who learns to do what I have in my book workbook and regrets it. Like, just bring them on. I, that's my challenge. Bring it, bring it, bring it. Because I will have a lot to say about that. We'll really have a conversation. All right, the next thing. So the emotional skills, there you have a free tool. Now, you can go buy a book, which may or may not be any good. I mean, I've looked at what's on the Internet, and I, 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 I'm flabbergasted. It's, it just flabbergasts me. What people say to do, punch a pillow, draw a picture, you know. I'm not saying it's bad to punch a pillow or draw a picture, but that's not what you do inside your brain. And what I talk about in the workbook is the steps to walk, your, you know, to go through when you're thinking. All right, next up is rational thinking. Unfortunately, too many people in the world are irrational. They have a cognitive distortion. What that means, you're walking around doing life, and it's like you are wearing black sunglasses. They're not gray, they're not green, they're black. You can't see through them. And you're like walking around and you don't even know that you're kind of in the dark. Irrational thinking means your thinking is warped. It means your thinking is flawed. It means there is a distortion in your thinking, which is not good for you. No, 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 no. And the good news is, remember Silver Lining? you can, over time, take the steps to deal with a cognitive distortion or rational thinking and get more to rational thinking. Next, the thing, one thing that will help, would help immensely in this whole idea of what's, what's going on is having boundaries. People, there are many people who don't have any boundaries and they don't even know what a boundary is. Well, I have a podcast about that. I have a podcast about cognitive distortions. At this point, I have 132 other podcasts, so I've covered a lot of topics. But boundaries would be very helpful. Now, also, missing, missing, missing that will help with trauma or adverse childhood experiences is having coping strategies, healthy coping mechanisms or healthy coping strategies. We, for the most part, don't teach that either. But if you go back to my earlier suggestion, having love and affection is going to help you cope with life because you're going to have platonic friends who love you or you're going to have the best romantic partner or spouse or what have you that you've ever had. Like, that's, that's, that's going to be great for you people. That's, that's going to be amazing. The problem is we have too many, too many of us who've gotten deeply wounded and hurt and then we're like, we're like handicapped in love or we run away from love, or, or we just try to deny our feelings, whatever. I do all that stuff, by the way. <laughs> I know, I do. Um, I'm working on it, though. So healthy coping strategies would be ideal. And so put love in, that will help you. Having the emotional skills, that will help you. That the, All those things will help you cope with life. They will. Next is assertiveness. Oh, my heavens assertiveness is sadly, 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 sadly lacking in the world. And, and why that is so important in this topic, the emperor has no clothes, it's because people aren't assertive. Well, first of all, we have the problem of low self-esteem. So people are afraid to speak up because they don't feel good about themselves. 
And the, I understand that the, the, the agreement in the research is that up to 85% of the world's population has low self-esteem. So get assertiveness training. There are books and books and books you can read. There's all kinds of ways to learn assertiveness because what we want to stop normalizing abnormal behavior. And that might mean, that is what it might look like. You're at work and your coworker, some guy says, oh my gosh, guess what I did to my sister? And then tells you something very mean he did to his sister. And everybody kind of like either doesn't say anything or they kind of like, haha, like laugh a little bit. But boy, if you had one or two assertive people to say, wow, gee, Pete, we didn't know you were that mean. Or, you know, like really just set it out. Or you might have, um, like the woman who did a, uh, I don't know if it was a TikTok or a Facebook reel, you know, she pants her husband and you could see this terrible stain on his under, underwear. It was horrible. Like what, how, how nasty is that? And there were a lot of comments, thankfully, that called her out like, gee, you know, who'd want to be married to you? Like what a mean, that was really mean public. And, and we have all kinds of things where we have parents putting on TikToks and reels and videos of their child's worst moment. They're having a meltdown because they just found out they're getting a sister and they wanted a brother or vice versa. And they're three years old and they're sobbing. And this is like funny or some other, you know, innocent little problem that a child has and the parents put it up and everybody laughs. Well, that's just not nice. As a, you don't take someone's worst moment and make fun of it. That is, how is that nice? I, I, I just fail to see. Well, I fail to see because it is not nice. So telling the truth would go a long way. And I know because I have, my mom made me read an assertiveness handbook in high school. So I've, I've had the, it's, it was called Your Perfect Right. It's still in print. It's a wonderful book. But when something comes up and it's in my space, if it's appropriate and I can manage it, I will say something. Like there was a woman, I will leave out all the details, who was explaining to me that she was going to put a brace on her four-year-old child's arm so that the child could not suck her thumb. And I said, oh, I said, well, I would really like to give you some other ideas because that seems a little harsh. And she went on to say, well, we don't want her teeth to get put out of alignment, this and that. And I said, are you open to listening to some ideas? And she said, well, I guess it can't hurt. I said, first of all, the real issue is your daughter is sucking her thumb at four because she's self-soothing. There is nothing wrong with self-soothing. It's actually a good idea. But when you brace her arm, if you haven't given her substitutes or trained her or moved her into something else, you've then just cut her off at four with no way to soothe herself, no way to self-placate herself. Now, between you and me, people, I knew that the mother was a raging alcoholic or seemed to for sure had an alcohol use disorder, for sure, without question. So that family's home was chaotic, very chaotic, right? And she would come to work and it was chaotic. So I gave her some ideas, you know, those pillows, you, the, the beads go back and forth, twirling her hair, you know, doing different things. And she was like, oh, so, you know, but 
did she do it? Well, I don't like get into people's business like that, so I don't know what she ended up doing. But what I know is I was kind and I was compassionate and I gave her some other things. I didn't say, oh, you're a terrible mother because you're gonna brace your child's arm because that's just not loving and it's not kind. What's loving and kind is to say, hey, you know what? I understand that you don't want her teeth to get out of alignment, but can we? Can I give you some other ideas that might make you know, might feel better, might be easier, might be better? I mean, that's just that's just honest. But we have too many people who are keeping silent and not calling out bad behavior. I mean, that's why we have drinking and driving. I mean, I don't know how many of the DUI accidents are happening happening from someone drinking at home and then leaving and driving. Probably some. But lots of the DOI accidents have to be happening when people are drinking with other people and then you just see them and off they go. Well, that's because people didn't speak up and say something. So telling the truth, and this is the truth, the emperor has no clothes. We need to change the conversations in public if we want to make a difference. Now, a couple last thoughts. So I'm, a, I'm the good news bear, and this is, a, this is a hard subject because like you've already heard, Seven, this affects 70% of the world. And I would assert, and I have read, that it's more than 70%, but we can, we can have, we have agreement, agreement, agreement on the 70%. So who cares if it's 78%? Like really, we're just kind of mincing, you know, words. It's a high percentage trauma, and it's causing suicides, illnesses, diseases, sadness, people being, suffering and not being able to function. So let's do something about it. So the good news is, because of post-traumatic growth, you can take a bad situation that's, that's really sad and uh, you know suffering, loss, bereavement, trauma, and you can become a better version of yourself by growing and developing. So back in the beginning of time, that this is what people have done. They have taken a loss, they've taken sadness or hardship, and they've used it to learn and grow and become a better version. And as a result, life became richer and more rewarding. It's actually a very interesting, um, the research and the writings on the people who made it through the Holocaust and their different attitudes and approaches uh, versus people who had different attitudes and approaches. So post-traumatic growth, I have a podcast titled uh, using emotional pain to your advantage, which is the concept of post-traumatic growth. So the good news is, if you've had trauma, like most, almost everybody, or adverse childhood experiences, it's not the end. You don't need to be, woe is me, oh my gosh, no, I've had, you know, GI problems ever since I was 12, and this and that, you know, you could, you could change your life completely. So the question becomes, who are you gonna be in the matter? Like, first of all, there's you in your life. Is your life happy? Are you doing well? Are you, are you functioning? Are you getting through the day, like, with grace and ease? Or is life hard and you just can barely get through the day? Or, you you know, like, wh what's the status of your life? Because we start with you. So if the status of your life is not that great, well, I get to work every day. I do my job. I'm exhausted at night. I just barely make it to the weekend. Da, da, da. Yeah okay, maybe you could use some new skills because that sounds like you're getting through the day, but it doesn't sound like you're vibrant and alive. Like, I'd like to see people happy, healthy, vibrant and alive, flourishing. And yes, you can have deep, bitter hardship 
and flourish. I promise you, that's, that's my entire life. So I want you to feel good about yourself. I want you to feel happy. And if you're one of the lucky people listening to this podcast who's already, you know, happy, you're well, you're healthy, your life is chugging on all cylinders, you don't need any help, good. Then do us all a favor and become a leader and share this content and help other people get to where we are. Like, I'm happy. I, I'm not happy I had a car accident, people. Okay, like, that's not going to make me happy. But I did my grieving. I'm still grieving. But, you know, for five to ten minutes a day from the day I had the accident, September 4th, through, I'd say, two weeks ago, maybe, I cried five to ten minutes a day. There were a couple bad days in the beginning. I might have cried twice in one day. But then I was looking at the other sides of the accident, the upshot. What, what, what can be gained? What can I learn? How can I grow? How can I use this to better my life? There's, there's both sides to the accident. It's not all bad. Well, there's a lot of bad, but then there's all this good. So if you've got your life all handled, then come on and help us get people on board and help them like people need help so it's and you know like you could get a team if you're really going well then you start saying to people hey how's it going how can I help you how can I help you have a better life hey I just listened to this podcast maybe you might like it you know and take people with you so if you're struggling all my content will help you and why not but my invitation is that we start waking up and realize that the emperor has no clothes and pretending that what we're doing in society is working is just caca. It's the emperor has no clothes. Look at the suicide rates. Now, I have many other podcasts and I've gone through the suicide rate, the addiction rate, the drugs, the alcohol, the hoarding, all, everything. We are in trouble, people. We are in big, big trouble. The numbers don't lie and they're bad and they're not coming down they're going in the wrong direction the emperor has no clothes we're not doing it right and part of what we're not doing it right is we're allowing bad unhealthy toxic dysfunctional behavior and dismissing it or looking overlooking it or pretending it's not that bad and it is that bad so it's time for you to be kind to yourself it's time for you to start looking at your life and say hmm yeah, I think, I think it's time for me to be happy and make some choices and then get a team and go on this amazing journey because you won't regret being happy in life. I mean, I'm telling you, if you're really happy in life, okay, take it from somebody who knows, there will be a small percentage of people who just don't like you and actually they can't, they can't stand you because you're happy because it reminds them of everything that they're not or it reminds them of you know, their, their issues that they haven't dealt with. So if you become really happy, as I have been since I was young, apparently, apparently since I was young, I can't say I can remember all of that, you know, more people will be drawn to you and you can help them be happy. Like, it's a choice. So the emperor has no clothes. It's time for us to stop being afraid to tell the truth and let's get together and make a difference in the world. Okay, love you. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 133, The Emperor Has No Clothes. I certainly hope this has given you something to think about 
And I also hope you will share this podcast with people that you care about so they can have a better life for themselves. Visit my website to connect with me or enter my giveaway. I hope you're doing well. Please take care of yourself. I love you. That's it for now.